Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Uh, why don't we pray before we start? Um, Father, thank you so much for what you're doing today. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for what you've uh, put, in, put in my heart to share today. I just ask that, you, um, that you're the one that speaks and that every word that I, that, that I share starts hitting and making sense. And anything that is holding back, anything that is not of you, be it removed in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So, um, exciting week for me. That's sarcasm. It hasn't been exciting. It's been the opposite. But, uh, but I, this, what I've been preparing for today, it's been from some time that I've been having this passion and this, this um, burning in my heart to share a little bit more on uh, the love of God. Like, I, wanna, I want us to go through... Um, a little bit of scripture, especially 1 John 4, 7, if you can start heading that way, um, to go and learn how does that love is expressed through us. And it may sound simple. It may sound like, well, we're just going to talk about love. Um, yes, but uh, we got to remind ourselves that the gospel is pretty simple, and we sometimes overcomplicate it when we want to make it too much about uh, ourselves. And... Um, when we make it about him, it's very simple that, to understand it from the point of love. And uh, we've been learning a lot about communion, and we're about to have a Communion Sunday where you gather with, we gather with in homes and we share a meal. So I want to get that, connect that, those two things, connect, connected through love, right? So now let's see what um, that love that God has for us. How do we receive it, and how do we give it? So... I don't know if you guys know Heidi Baker, but she says love has to look like something. So I, wanted to, I want to make sure that we know what that love looks like. So he says, 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friend, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born from, of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So he defines love, right? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world. We might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but, I like that, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us his spirit. Let's keep going. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment and the one who fears is not made in perfect love. This is the word of the Lord. Nice. Well done. Good job. So how does God show his love in this verse? Let's, let's, let's start picking it, picking it apart. It's, it says in, in 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. So that we might live through him. This is love. And he defines it very clearly. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as, a, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is amazing for me. It defines love right there. I mean, number one, God defines love, not the other way around. Um, love is not going to be defining what God is. God defines what, what love is. And here he says, this is love. The love, not that, that, that we loved God, not centered in us on what our, we are capable of doing and what we're capable of giving, but on the one that he is giving to us. So he moves it from focus from us to him. Here, John focuses it from him to us. Let me, let me explain it a little bit more. Through him, we stand to lead us into freedom. Like through that love, he frees us, right? There's freedom that can be attained, freedom from performing, freedom from working, for, for love, freedom from sin, freedom from a lot of bondages uh, from, that we normally get from a religious environment, all of that, especially control, right? That's the freedom that he's given us. Sin is one of the multiple things he frees us, but mostly he's freeing us to love, to love one another as we love ourselves. This is, it says in 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that, that he loved us and then sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So John always focused on how much he was loved by God. If you read John, he always is saying, he calls himself the disciple loved by Jesus. He calls himself like that. Hey, I was the one that he loved. That, that, that's my title, the one that he, because he was focused on how much he was loved by him. Peter, on the other hand, focuses on how much he loved Jesus. He was constantly trying to prove to Jesus, look how much I love you. Look how much, I, look, look how much is my love for you. Well, one of them denied Jesus, the other one didn't. When I go introspective and I try to find the love that I need to love the people around me, I normally end up in lack. But when I focus in how much am I loved by him, then I have an overflowing amount of love that I can give out. In 11, it says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So guess why I'm teaching on this? Because today we're going to gather in homes. You're going to meet strangers. You're going to be building community. And we want to build a community here where we love one another, right? So you cannot love one another if you don't love yourself, right? If we have uh, problems with our own identity, we're only going to be looking for love. We're going to be trying to... Uh, fulfill that need by getting it from someone else and not actually loving people without any strings attached, right? Because if there's perfect love, it means there's imperfect love. Imperfect love, what is imperfect love? It's the kind of love that's actually catching something. It's coming out of lack. It's not perfect. Perfect love has no fear. I just release what I give. I'm not expecting anything in return. On 12, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, 
God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's a promise right there. Because he says, no one has seen God. No one has seen him. But if we love one another, God lives in us. So what does it mean? You'll see him. You'll see him express in the love that you have for one another. This is how we know that we live in him, that he's in us. He has given us the spirit. My love won't be dependent on what I give, but on what he has given me. The concept of learning, of leaning on the love of God creates freedom to bring about his will on earth, right? We want that will, his will on earth as it is in heaven, like it is in the apostles' prayer. That's how we should call it, not, uh, not the other way around. It, it is to make his will in my heart. So what is the top commission? Let's, let's, let's ask, what is his mission? What does he want us to be doing? Let's go back to Genesis. He says, go and subdue the earth. Fill it with this love. Fill it with this amazing change, the, the will of bringing heaven to earth. I see it in my life constantly. When, when, whenever we are wanting to bring heaven, we're, we're pushing back darkness, no? That's what, what was existing before. There was darkness in the earth, but when, Jesus, when God started the earth, when he put Adam and Eve, what he wanted to do with humans was go and subdue the earth, push back the darkness. So we have been given his spirit to be like him. This is in verse 13. And this is where things get interesting. When you see people in the gospel shouting and recognizing Jesus is king, let's pay extra attention. Why? How did they come to recognize him? What happened? How did they come to the conclusion that, hey, you are the Lord of lords? Because that's what we want in our lives as, 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 as Christians. We want people to recognize that Jesus is Lord, right? That's what you want. The perfect, the perfect way of giving testimony is to have someone recognizing, hey, actually, yes, from what you did, I can recognize that Jesus is God. Like, I can recognize that Jesus is alive. Right? That's what we want. Okay, how did, they do, how did Jesus do it? Let's, let's use him as the example. In John 1, 47, it says, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, This is Nathanael. He's like on the field. He hasn't seen Jesus before. And Jesus hasn't met him before. And then he says to Nathanael, Jesus does. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathaniel asks, how do you know me? Jesus answers, I saw you while you were still under fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. We can read past this very simple and say, well, that was just like Nathaniel recognizing that Jesus said something special. But no, it's because the word of knowledge that Jesus gave Nathaniel proved to him there's something else going on. There's something supernatural going on, and I feel seen by God. It's, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. That's a word of knowledge. Then Nathaniel declared, Robert, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. It was a manifestation of his love. That is a manifestation of his love. The love of God is a person, and the acts of that person, when Jesus goes around and does some acts, it proves his love to the people that are receiving it. After that, like a few verses after that, Jesus then goes to the woman of the world, 
And with another word of knowledge about how many husbands she had, the whole town starts believing because she got that word of knowledge. She received that word of knowledge. You can keep on reading and catching on on that. I'm not including it here because it, it is kind of long what I had, so I had to cut it off. But um, the point there is the same. From a word of knowledge, so from an act of pulling heaven on earth and giving her, hey, I know you, she felt loved and she recognized this man is the son of God. And she started sharing that testimony to other people and created a domino effect where other people started believing. What am I get, getting to with the, all this? Is that we, if, we, if we are to live out of the love that we receive from Jesus and we're to be like Jesus, we get to give that love through signs and wonders. Because all those signs point to a person. I know it sounds like, oh, that's the weird, wacky stuff. Um, we don't have to make it weird. We don't have to make it wacky. We can make it very normal, and that's my goal. That it becomes normal that you get to give words of knowledge to people, and they don't even know how did that happen. And so suddenly they're freaking out. This person knows something that, I, that I, there's no way that they could have known, and I feel loved by God. Because you always point them. It wasn't you. It was Jesus, right? It's, it's not me. It's Jesus. Jesus trained his disciples to do this kind of ministry. He sent the 72. He gathered 72 of his disciples and he sent them out in pairs of two. And he sent them out to go and heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. That was his mission. Go out. And he stayed. The master stayed. He had them uh, working with him for a while and then he goes, go. Do it. Try it. I truly believe that doing that, the training, a training ground, is what we're supposed to be doing here in our church. Let's go back to 17 in, in 1 John uh, 4. This is how love is made complete, complete among us, so that we will have the confidence on the day of judgment in this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears not made in perfect love. And if you're thinking, okay, this is scary, and Donnie's going to ask me to do something weird again, and I don't want to, it, that's fine if you don't want to. But what I'm asking is to start giving words of knowledge and starting prophesying shouldn't be scary because in perfect love, there's no fear. You're just loving. You're just, being, you're just loving someone else like you were loved. If we're loved by Jesus and you're just, you're not proving your identity, you're not trying to gain a post, you're not trying to get a platform, you're not having any strings attached on that love, there shouldn't be any fear. You should be feeling, well, I shouldn't. <laughs> it's, the goal is that you feel so confident on how much you're loved that you're just sharing anything that you've received. We freely give what we've received, right? So what I'm calling this training ground is a greenhouse where we start growing things here in our church. We start trying to do things in our church that later on you feel comfortable doing outside. So why do I call it a greenhouse? Because a greenhouse means it's independent. This environment is independent of what's going on outside. It's not going to be affected. Since we're bringing heaven to earth here, 
when we're gathering, when, we're, when you're serving, when you're going with kids, when you start bringing heaven to earth, it's independent of whatever's happening at school, at work, anywhere. And then, if you're filling up like that, you can go and be transplanted to wherever you are and actually bring whatever you're used to bringing from here outside. Does that make sense? So, you're saying, okay, what is a major way to show love like Jesus did? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, verse 1, follow the way of love. That's what Paul starts writing. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Especially what? It's especially prophesy. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people to, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. The chapter before this is Corinthians 13, which describes what love is. And then it frames it into, okay, if love is this, Follow the way of love by doing what? Prophesying. We, we, I feel like the church made the prophecy into this little weird niche corner that only few people get to do and limits it to just those guys get to do it. And if that's the way that he's saying here, if, if he's saying that follow the way of love and only those niche guys get to do the prophetic stuff, then everyone else is not actually following in the way of love. We're missing out on a huge part of the gospel, a huge part of the kingdom. So this is my invitation. We need to start training just like Jesus did with the 72. We need to be okay with risk. We need to be okay with giving bad prophetic words. I said it. Not bad in the sense of that you're prophesying from the wrong covenant. There's two covenants, the new one and the old one. We're in the new one. Um, where uh, prophetic words are not like you're judging the prophet, you're judging the prophetic word. What does that mean? We're not holding the person like, hey, this, you have to literally say every single word that God told you, and if you change it, then you're dying. That's, that's not the culture we're creating here. No one's being stoned to death because of their prophetic. What I mean is that you just didn't hear right. You just didn't hear right. I've given bad prophetic words where I didn't hear right. I thought the Lord was saying something, and he wasn't. And that's why I use the, we use the words, I fell from God. I don't know if you heard what Jake did at the end of the worship, but he said, I feel like the Lord is leading me this way. Because it opens it up for feedback. It opens it up for judging the word. It doesn't say, thus says the Lord. Thus says the Lord doesn't give you any room for judging because no one's going to debate with the Lord, right? But in the new covenant, we do are called to judge prophetic words. Um, I was uh, at Barbie's house uh, at the beginning of the year. We had a, a ministry time with some ministry students, and they were ministering to several people. I was one of them. I was invited to get ministered by them. And this guy kept on giving prophetic uh, words of knowledge. And he started with one thing. I don't even remember what it was, but it was completely wrong. I said, no. And he kept on going. And then he was wrong again, and then wrong again. 
and kept on going like, hey, I feel like you really want to be good at teaching and you're not really good at teaching. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be really good at teaching. Actually, I don't do this for a living. So no, that's wrong too. And, and he, he kept on going. He kept on trying like seven times. But what I wanted to highlight is I really felt like I want guess one. Come on, get one. You can. You can do this. It's really uncomfortable. Um, he didn't. He didn't get one right. But his identity was unmoved. He kept on trying. He was learning. He's trying to get, listen to his father. He's not listening very well, but he was trying, right? And, and that's okay. No one got judged. No, like, poor guy. I, I just know that he, he, he shouldn't be trying in perfect, no, giving prophetic words that fast. He should adjust, but he was, that's what I want to create. Imperfect love, it means that you're not trying to control. You're not trying to manipulate or get a reaction. You're not trying to really get a wow or like a really dwell moment. You're just trying to share the love of God to this person. It's a gift. It is not to gain influence. And it's certainly not to manipulate. So any, I'm going to teach you to flush prophetic words. You can flush them because we're going to add more quantity of those. Hopefully, you start doing it more often. So we're more comfortable on getting rid of them. Oh, that's not a good one. Oh, that's, and I always ask for feedback. Hey, how was that? So I'm like, ah, okay, well, don't worry. Let's flush that one. I didn't hear that right. And that's okay. You can flush like the ones from your mom telling you who you will marry. Well, those are especially good to flush. Um, I've heard a lot of those and I have to advise people to just flush. Um, the disciples became those who shaken the world by encountering the love of Jesus that gave them freedom to love themselves, which resulted in loving people that turned the world upside down. Back in, um, for me, back in 2012, I went to ministry school. A lot of people thought I was going to ministry school to become a pastor. I wasn't there to become a pastor. I just wanted to be better at knowing who I was. And people were very confused about that, but hey, that was okay. Um, first, the training, because we were being trained to, to, be, to learn to prophesy correctly, uh, started by you cannot prophesy or pray for anyone for four months. That was part of the training. Um, you couldn't do that. No. Why? Because everyone that had their identity wrapped around their gift, like me, um, they needed to get rid of that. Because you can't have your identity wrapped around your gift, because if not, you're going to be pulling on performance, and you're going to be trying to make it work so that you can validate yourself and your identity. And you have to make your identity based on being a son, not being a spiritual, uh, I don't know, prophet or whatever. No, that's not who you are. Your son first, right? For all the extreme spiritual people, that was a huge pull, like me. And then we learned to love ourselves. We were learning to love ourselves. We learned to love our neighbor. And, in, and then, once we got released, it was practice, 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 and try again, and try again. Let's try to see if you can risk a little bit more, risk a little bit further. Finally, when I was in second year, I was fortunate enough to get selected to go on a trip that uh, one of the main requirements was to actually, like, like you would be okay in, in prophetic words, right? Um, so the team was 
very, very prophetic. Uh, I, I was barely allowed in. Don't worry, I'm not trying to pull myself up. Um, it was in Sierra Leone. And one of the days was required that we had to wear suits and ties and everything and um, be very formal because we were taken to prophesy over, uh, give us words of knowledge to the mayor of the city. So we got there and you're seated in a very formal um, room and you start sharing your prophetic words and you get feedback on if you're good or you're not good. Then after that, we went to the, uh, the offices of the first lady and we prophesied over the first lady of the country. And then we went finally with the president. What was my point there? We were allowed to those places because those people weren't looking for people that were going to influence them, but they were going to love on them with the love of the Father. And they've gotten so accurate prophetic words that every year this team was allowed to go into that place. Wow. So that's what I'm looking for here, that we start practicing enough that we are comfortable not to gain influence and I'm going to control the mayor or whatever. No, but you're going to love on them. And they're going to invite you because they want to hear from their father. After that, we took off our suits and we went to one of the poorest neighborhoods in the, in the city and to do street evangelism. I, I, I suck at street evangelism. Some of you might know. I'm not very good at starting conversation with some random person. So what I did, I started talking soccer with one of the kids and then since I know a little bit about soccer, enough to get me through, I asked him, hey, could you take me to the sick people? And he took me to him, and some other kids took me to his mom, and I took some of the team people with me, and we prayed for his, for his mom, and she got healed from some stomach issue that she was having right there. So then the mom said, go to the uncle, and then we went with more kids to go to the uncle in the next house, and the, he had like a migraine, and he got like also healed from the migraine at the moment. I don't know if it stayed, but at the moment, the guy was very happy. So... We kept on going to different houses and it kept on happening. And then I started, I wasn't the one praying, it was the kids. I just let the kids, now you do the praying. So it wasn't like, oh, this man, a stranger is doing the prayer and, he's, and they want to say it's, they're getting healed. No, it was the little kids doing the praying that they knew and they were getting healed. And suddenly one of the kids I noticed was limping. So I said, hey, let's pray for you. His leg was like this, different of sizes. And, and, and I said to the kids, okay, tell the leg to grow. And the kids started praying. And literally, my, my eyes, he's, he, he's not wearing shoes. He's not wearing like pants, like wearing shorts. But you could just see the leg grow as they were talking. My mind, my eyes were seeing it. My mind was not like registering what's going on. Like I was like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> like I said, yeah, pray for it that it grows like one day. Not right there. <laughs> And it actually, like, the, the kid was like, like his eyes popped. And, 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 and obviously he was walking now strange because he didn't know how to walk with the full leg on both sides. What, what happened there? I asked him, hey, um, how do you feel? And he, he was like, I want to be a pastor. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> he felt loved by God. And he got so excited of what was possible. He felt touched by God. The, the, the hero of the story is that Jesus encountered all of these people in these houses and they felt loved by him, yeah. which ended up leading this 
little guy to want to be a pastor in the, in the end. Not, I don't know from who, because I'm not a pastor. So, uh, but he was very excited to keep on doing that and seeing that love. When we start serving, that, this is what we're doing. Jesus came to serve, right? When we start serving one another, it, it's, it's that expression of love, not, ex, not expecting anything in return. That's what I want us to start seeing. Whenever you're called to serve here, in this church, see it as an opportunity to bring heaven on earth. That's what I want you to be seeing. It doesn't have to be in the prayer team. I, we do want you to come to the prayer team, like do that. But it can be in any of the other prayer, uh, or of the serving teams that we would start seeing people that, hey, when you're coming in, you might get a nice word of knowledge or some prophetic word. Let's just try it. All right, how do we, I'm actually going to, let's get some practice, some practice. Uh, Practical stuff. All words are to encourage, comfort, and strengthen. All words, all right? And they're composed by three things. Revelation. The person who gives the prophetic word is responsible for the revelation, right? It may come as a dream, a vision, or any of the ways that are explaining it. The, 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 I'll explain it later. There comes interpretation. What is interpretation of those? It's what does the revelation mean? So let's, let's go with revelation. Revelation is, let's say, I got a revelation of some flower. I see a flower. Okay, if I just give you the flower, and I tell you I saw a flower, I'm not giving you much, right? What do I do with the flower? That's nice. Uh, what's the interpretation? The other day I gave a word to Emily, and I gave her a word, and then I forgot to give her the, the interpretation. And she's like, what does that mean? It's just like a good point. I don't let me ask. The, interp the interpretation comes from God. Prof prophetic people need to realize that just because they had a revelation does not mean that they have an interpretation, meaning you could not have the interpretation. So you can ask both, hey, who, what does this mean, God? Right? And then we do an application. What are we going to do with this word? You're not just receiving a word for the sake of receiving a word. You're being strengthened, encouraged, yeah. But what are we going to do with that? The power that you establish on it, the value that you place on a word determines the power you receive from it. Meaning if we don't really give it power and we flush it, you're fine. But if you actually want to get it, like you see this word belongs to me, then frame it, keep it, pray over it. Like, just like Mary did when she received the word from the angel, that she kept it on her heart, right? The voices that speak to us from the spirit realm are from, from four sources. Our spirit, the Holy Spirit, evil spirits, and angels. If you want to learn more about this, you can read 1 John 4.1, which said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Important things to remember about dreams. So if you have, I'm going to go into the dreams, don't worry. If you have a bad prophetic word, does that make you a false prophet? No. A false prophet is something different that I'll talk about. A false prophet comes with manipulation, wants to control. It actually won't give you clarity. It'll tell you, the Lord told me something about you I won't tell you what. And that's it. They, they won't expand on it because it's actually creating fear and control. So that's a, that's a false prophet. That's actually a false prophet. It's, trying, it's coming from the other side. It's not encouraging. It's not strengthening. It's trying to get something. 
Important things to remember about dreams. Not all dreams are from God. As we learned earlier, uh, we can hear from all four sources of the spirit realm, even in our dreams. Simply because we have a powerful illustrative dream does not necessarily mean we're prophetic. Well, you can see a lot of examples in the Bible where people had dreams and they didn't know what they meant. A cupbearer, the wine tester from, that talks to Joseph, right? They needed an interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar didn't know what they, the, the, his dreams meant, so he needed Daniel. All of those, right? Interpreting, interpreting dreams is what makes us prophetic. Obviously, you can use colors, numbers, and symbolic incurrences are very important to interpretation. All right. A good way, if you want to expand your dreaming capacity, if you want to get better at dreams, take notes. Put a notepad next to you and write down your dream. But here's what I want us all to do. I want us to start judging all prophecy. It says, do not quench the spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5. Do not despise prophetic orisons, but examine everything carefully. Hold it fast. Prophets can make mistakes without being false prophets. Okay? We can make mistakes. That's the, the, the point that I'm trying to say. In the Old Testament, prophets received the word of the Lord. In the New Testament, prophetic people perceive the word of the Lord. Right? In the Old Testament, it was actually, you heard the sounding voice of God. That's how he would talk. They really needed help with their listening because they didn't have him living in them. So he, they would get the like, actual voice of the Lord. In the New Testament, we perceive it. All right, guidelines for judging a word. The word must be congruent with the scriptures. You can't go and say something completely different that it's not in line with the, with, with the scriptures. And in Galatians 1.8, that is where, we're basically, where I'm missing it for them. If we want to go and read it, I'm not going to read it because we got to go. <laughs> it must bear witness with the spirit of the one who receives it. Meaning, like in Romans 8, 16, it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It means that you're reminding, you're pointing, God, you're pointing towards God. You're not pointing to yourself. The fruit of the prophetic word must be that the person receiving it is brought closer to God and his people. That's the fruit. The prophets and leadership should be in agreement of the word and its interpretation. You just can't just go and say something completely in, and not have it being judged. So something completely off and not have it being judged. That's, if you want that, a verse on that, Hebrews 13, 17 can help you with that. But the interpretation of the prophetic belongs to God, not to man. Again, we're going to judge all prophetic words, we're going to hold them, and we're going to ask, hey, what does this prophetic mean? What this prophetic word means. God wants to do things with us, right? He wants to participate in the midst of us. He, does, he doesn't want us just to um, not receive the word and not have actually play a, game, a part on it. He wants us to be part of the interpretation. He wants us to be part of, like, of the giving. That's the role of grace. Through grace, we receive the abilities of the Holy Spirit, Right? Grace is not just to undeserve favor, but it's the operational power of God. That's by grace we receive these things. And by grace we grow our faith. Everyone is to judge, okay, what's the size of my faith and where can I take it? How can I take it further? How can I grow my faith? As it, Jesus just pointed, like when Chris was reading the, the verse, you 
people of little faith. He's judging people's faith. He wants us to grow our faith. That's something that he calls out to. Even though that it sounds mean, it's not that it's it's mean. It's like a coach telling you, you got to work more on this part. You got to work on your running. You got to work on on your strategy. He's saying you got to work on your faith. Grow your faith on what's capable. That's why he would constantly call the, the, the disciples, don't you believe, haven't you seen what I've done? For example, when they didn't bring the bread and they were in the, in, in, in the was it a ship or a boat? And Jesus tells them, hey, be careful with the, we, we, be careful with the, ma- what is it? I'm blanking on the word. Be careful with the dough, the dough, the yeast. That was the word. Thank you, Chad. I love you. Thank you. Be careful with the yeast of the Pharisees. And they, they, said, they thought, oh, he's, he's mad that we didn't bring food. He's, mad. he's like, don't you remember what I just did when I multiplied the food? He's holding men accountable for what he did in the past. Their faith was too little. So he's pointing us, okay, grow your faith. Another thing for prophecy, we don't have to be profound to be powerful. You don't have to be profound to be, par- uh, to be powerful. You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to make a very special sounding effect. You don't have to do it from King James like w- way of talking. You can just prophesy no- like a normal person. Right now, what, what, like what happened, what I've just talked about of like the trip that I had to go into the, to the president's office and the, pre- and the first lady, For sure, we're not being weird. We were not trying to say, we were holding the interpretation and we would say the things that we felt from God as in a language that they could catch. We were not talking Christianese, if that makes sense. We were saying, hey, I actually see this project going on and this is happening. Like actually things that they would care about in their government. It's the same thing if you're going to start prophesying in, uh, at work. Don't make it weird. When not to prophesy, very important. When not to prophesy, when you're angry or have strong negative emotions toward that person, don't do it. Don't do it. If your kid is buying something that you don't want them to buy, like some um, albums that are not Christian, you're not going to start prophesying so that they don't buy the albums that are not Christians. We don't do that. When we use prophecy as a platform to validate our personal doctrines or belief system, that is not a place to prophesy. You don't go and say, I, the Lord, say to you tonight, you shall not go to the movies, that kind of stuff. No, let's not do it. When we have no relationship or accountability to the person or group we're giving the, the, receiving the, prof, the prophetic word, it is important for prophetic people to have a sense of ownership. We're, we're, we're judging the words and we got to be, get better. So there has to be ownership. Authority comes from accountability, responsibility, and accessibility. Again, authority comes from accountability, responsibility, and accessibility. You cannot give prophetic words and and hope that, hey, here's my bomb, I'm leaving. (laughs) No, you're responsible. How how did that word sound? Did that sound like... It's in line with what's happening with you today. Ask for feedback. I always try to ask for feedback. If I'm not asking, it's because the person's crying and actually like hit the floor, so I assume it was good. Um, but and I don't know. Hey, how do how did that feel? Well, you can kind of read into it. But 
we want to have responsibility on what we're doing, and then you're going to grow in authority, right? All right, all right, negative words. The Bible is clear that life and death are in our words. When we give people negative words, we're often releasing death over them. Our goal is to be part of a ministry, a ministry that releases life and the best of people. So prophesying is to release life, not negative words. That makes sense? Good. That was a very big one. When we're, when we're prophesying to leadership, that's another one. People like to prophesy to leadership, and that's good. Um, do not go with the Lord told me this, as starting to the phrase. Don't do that. The opening statement dramatically reduces the ability to actually give input. You can't, you can't argue with God. Because then what you're actually saying is, in the conversation, the Lord told me to do this. In reality, what you're saying is, I don't want your opinion. I just want your blessing for what I want to do. Right? I want us to actually take chances today. I want us to um, put this into practice and risk a little bit, if you, if you will. I'm going to risk too. And I'm going to make the example. But, um, yeah, why don't we all stand? As I was getting ready and, and, and to share today, um, I was asking the Lord for words of, words of knowledge for some people. And I saw a woman walking in a warehouse with a scanner on her hip. A warehouse, a big warehouse. It was like an Amazon warehouse or something like that with a scanner on her hip. And um, I don't know, does that sound familiar to someone, someone that works on a, on a warehouse and has a scanner? Woman, raise your hand if that's you. I have a word for you. A good word, life. <laughs> yeah? No? No one? Maybe you work. Actually, I, I, I did think it was for you. For some reason, I had you in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, wow, I feel like you're very, I don't know if you've, you've watched Encanto. Um, I do use Disney movies. What, what, what I was feeling is like that you have this, the character I had to, in mind is Luisa, which is, I, I know all the characters. My, my son really likes Encanto. Um, and, 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 and she's very strong. She's the strong one of, of the family and is like holding everything together. And I felt like the Lord is going to take you in a season where you don't have to act to be strong, that you can lay down the things that you've been trying to hold together and he's going to come by your side and actually like solve the things that you've been trying to maintain and fix. And it's not going to be by your strength. It's going to be by his strength and he's going to hold it together for you. Does that sound familiar or good? Yeah? All right, good. Well, later on we can pray for you. Um, then another one, I had a man with beard and glasses, a gray sweater and a hat. I saw him going through his land as like going through the land and you have land and you were, um, I feel like you were concerned, concerned about fire or something like that. So is there someone like that? It's a man with beard and glasses, gray sweater and a hat, gray sweater and a hat, someone with... It sounds very specific in, 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 in the dress code, but um, I don't know. Later on, we can, we can go on. Okay, I got a, another one. Is there a Tom Schill? 
Tom Shill or something like that. Does that sound familiar? No, that name? Okay, I'm working on my hearing too. Something with Stanford for Tom? No? Okay. <laughs> All right, do you see that I risked? Some worked, some didn't. That's fine. And what are we going to do right now is when I, I want us to take chances. So I want you to pair up with three people. So find three people around you. Well, yeah, groups of, groups of three. And then ask the Lord for a word for one of the persons there. If you, this is your first time, you've never done this. You're like, how am I going to hear from God? Well, my sheep hear my voice. That's a verse, that's a promise. So you did hear his voice when he called you into the flock. So you've already heard him before. And what you're going to be asking is, what do you have for this person? And you're going to go ahead and share whatever you feel that comes from the Lord. And you're going to ask for an interpretation. God, what does this mean for them? And share the interpretation. If you only hear, I love you, share that. The Lord says He loves you. And that's a good prophetic word that someone might need to feel encouraged. So that's the, like I'm giving you freedom to, if you that's all you get, that's fine. That's perfect. Okay? So find people of three. And if you don't want to do this, that's fine too. And you just want to pray for people, that's fine. Just pray for people. But let's take some risks. Let's, let's advance a little bit if you, like, if you can take it. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.